0: All right, welcome to Death by Videos Rocktober Part 2. Ooh. I'm Phil. I'm Kit. And I'm Graham, saying welcome back to another one of our special minisodes, uh, just discussing the spooky things we've been watching uh, since, uh, since the start of October. So guys, who wants to go first?
1: Uh, I didn't really watch anything spooky per se. I... No, it's spooked Spooktober. Yes, I know. I watched. I finally watched Joker last week. That's spooky. I guess that's spooky. Mental <laughs> illness is There's spooky. Yeah. Um, and I surprisingly liked it. It's not terrible. I gave it two and a half nope. stars, which means it's I gave not it a ter- three.
0: Phil, I want to thank you for your time on this podcast. Um... <laughs> Yeah, but, oh my! Yeah. Well, you like your, it? It's
2: got some good craft to it. Like it, it yeah, yes, for sure. Good, good and grimy. It has um a few good like like set pieces, I guess you'd call them. Mm-hmm. I just think it's too on the nose and doesn't actually know what it's trying to say. But it's not terrible.
1: Yeah, screenplay is straight, straight up moronic. <laughs> yeah, but you know the style and the tone, it works. It's a little too green, but you know it's. Joaquin Phoenix, he gives a very, you know, physical, lived-in performance. And committed. He's committed. He's real committed, and, you know, it, it won me over in that respect. Wait, wait, wait So it was good with some very serious reservations.
2: Yeah, I, I appreciate Like, it's
1: it. impossible to take this movie seriously. And unfortunately, people on both extremes oh, of no. the spectrum took the movie very seriously.
0: It won the Golden Whatever at Venice. Yeah, <laughs> like that's why that's the reason. The reason why I went to, to, to see it at TIFF is because it won the it big award mean? at Venice, and <laughs> I was just like, okay, so it must be good. And I went to go see it, and I'm like, how does this win an award? Like, like Joaquin Phoenix. And by the way, I'm shocked that's how you pronounce his name. For the years, I thought it was Joaquin Phoenix.
1: phoenix
0: you never thought that of course not um just like his older brother River phoenix uh but no
1: river phoenix
0: oh really yeah he named his son river so So anyways joker uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay so you liked it that's fine you also liked eli roth's death wish so you know grain of salt
1: you know I, what? I, you need to watch Eli Roth's Death Wish. I need your take on it. Yeah, have you not watched it, Graham?
0: <laughs> no. Well, then maybe it's good. Yeah. I, know. I should I should watch Eli Roth's Death Wish. I haven't I seen it. Dedicate two hours of my life to watching that. Um,
1: yeah, I'm a de- Eli Roth's Death Wish apologist. Um, I also enjoyed, which is, I guess, get some horror expectations. I finally watched Abel Ferreira's Driller Killer
0: nice one of the original video nasties yes
2: a drill is used for killing i assume yes that's good
0: so what did you think of driller killer phil
1: oh i really enjoyed it uh Mm -hmm. it's bizarrely relatable at times it's it's kind of a what the kids call a mood at times yeah As unsympathetic as his character is and as self-absorbed an artist as he is. But to be fair, his neighbor's band, a pretty shitty punk band. (laughs) I love them. I I, I love them. They're a shitty punk band, but I... But
0: 3 a.m. in the morning, yeah. It would drive me nuts too. Yeah. I don't know who would drive me to like drilling people to death, but you know... No, probably
1: not, but... uh, It's also... If if you're already on the brink, it's that they're they're the kind of band that would push you just over.
0: Yeah, for Abel Ferreira's second film, it was very accomplished. Mm -hmm. Uh, His first film, of course, being the pornographic, uh, Nine Lives of a Wet Cat. Um, Yes. (laughs) It's not actually called that, but I I don't feel like getting vulgar so early. Um, But yeah, I I dig Driller Killer. I've got it on Blu-ray, the wonderfully remastered from Arrow Video, uh, Blu-ray of Driller Killer. Although it doesn't contain the infamous drunken commentary mm. that Abel Ferrer put on, like, the very first DVD of it. Like, Abel Ferrer recorded a commentary where he just was, like, out of his head, just ripping into everybody, just drunk, being like, oh, why are we releasing this piece of garbage? Like, kind of like that. Like, so I do, I've heard it's legendary and I do want it's, to, it's on par with Ben Affleck's, like, digging into Michael Bay and being ah, yes. an Armageddon.
1: Has Abel Ferreira can' come around on Drill uh, Driller Killer or I think
0: I well, I mean he recorded that during his like heavy like before he finally like split for Italy and got clean yes. and over became and became Buddhist. Became Buddhist and started having like kids.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and I do want to point out Abel Ferreira is uh I read his his interview uh about cancel culture recently. Mm-hmm. He solid take for a guy that's sixty years old to be like basically um it's complicated, but obviously, like it's necessary. And you know, screw those guys. Like they did what they did. And now they're complaining because they're getting called out for it. Yeah. Also pointed out, like, hey, it's not a death sentence. Shut up, basically. So, Abel Ferreira and Mark Marin keeping it uh, keeping it real. Kit, what have you seen that's been spooky?
2: Okay. Um, what uh, man? I've been ramping it up. I've been uh, I've been doing my duty. I've been doing okay. my homework.
0: I've been watching so, some spooky films. So here's what I'm gonna say, Kit. How about we do one film each at a time? Because Phil is it, that's that's all for your spooky viewings, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. Killer, killer, and and Joker. Yes, do you Joker think Our listening
2: audience will appreciate the variance in the tone of our voices as we. Decide. I think so.
0: Mm-hmm. I think we'll just keep it fresh. Mm-hmm.
2: So go for it. Oh, uh, so I guess the spooky movie number one is I finally got around to Robert Roger Eggers. I don't know what his name is. Um, The Witch, I finally the heard. The Witch. Yes, The witch.
0: The vitch. That was a bad summer of hearing everyone call it The, the vitch. Um, But you had seen The Lighthouse with us, didn't you? Yes, yes, I had seen it, but I'd yeah. never seen The Witch. Ah, what'd you think of The Witch? And we're back. Sorry, guys, we had some technical issues. Um, Kit was talking about uh, The Witch by uh, witch. Robert roger eggers is his name roger it's robert or roger eggers i don't know kenny loggins i know
1: yeah roger egbert <laughs> so uh, um,
2: let's, let's just take yeah, it on. i like it yeah. thumbs up from me i thought uh man uh ralph innocent and uh kate dickey are, are great character actors that should be in more stuff
0: They're yeah better. yeah
2: um shot in canada it makes sense. Uh, yeah. I, liked, I liked leaning into the old crone bit, though. I liked slathering up the uh, the broomstick with the gore of the dead infant and all that shit. I mm-hmm. thought, you know. And those gals seem to be having a gay old time there at the end of the movie. I don't know what to say. Seems, being a witch is maybe not so bad. Didn't we tackle about- and Just holding hands and dancing.
0: Yeah. I was um, asking if you didn't didn't we talk about this in the last episode? But then I realized, no, that was our group chat. Um, yeah, or like a phone conversation or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, what else have you seen, Graham? Uh, so I, following up after we recorded when I was talking about Veratica, I watched the uh, the Netflix uh, Universal Pictures, or was it Paramount Pictures acquisition, Vampires versus the Bronx, which um, kind of got some hype earlier this month. It's, it's Who being, wins on that one? Huh? Who
2: wins on that one? The
0: something. Bronx. Um, yeah. Of course, like who do you think who do you think is gonna win? But the uh, vampires
2: dominate the Bronx. It's just an <laughs> insult to the Bronx. The entire movie just. <laughs> uh,
0: but it's it's basically it's it's been described as uh, a modern day Lost Boys. Um, I mean, I can it's just it's it's kids versus vampires, mm-hmm. and basically the Bronx is being slowly bought up by real estate companies and being gentrified, and all the the people and like businesses that are are uh, from the Bronx are being pushed out which is very relatable. It turns out that the vampires are doing this so they can get a foothold in a community community and just use it as like a feeding ground. Um, And it's up to a couple kids or three kids and their friends to, uh, to put a stop to it. And yeah, it's fun. It wasn't great. Uh, It's a bummer that like, I think maybe being on Netflix might allow it to reach its audience more, but I'm like, I think if it was in a theater, it would go over well. Chris Redd has a very small role in the film. Um, The guy on SNL now. That's yeah yeah he's pretty he's pretty funny i like him uh, <coughs> he seems all right but uh but yeah it's it's it was a fun simple kids movie it's a good it's been called gateway horror so like for people who have children who are like younger it's not super scary there's one or two sequences which were like oh this is kind of suspenseful but like a kid might find it scary but and there are stakes like i don't want to i'm not going to put up a spoiler but like a character dies so you're like oh i didn't think this was going to happen i didn't think anyone, anyone was actually going to die uh, but but characters do die, and, and the kids learn that they need to, like, uh, step up and protect their hood. Gate, gateway
2: horror. I like that. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Leading the, you to the harder part. stuff.
1: Yeah, leading arguably Lost Boys is
2: gateway horror. Oh, for sure. I guess yeah. it is, yeah.
1: So is Monster Squad. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Monster Squad, for sure. Oh.
0: oh, and by the way, Method Man plays a priest in the movie. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was- Like it was, a, a
1: Catholic priest? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Okay. Exactly. But it's interesting because they they so there's this great scene. So like at a certain point, one of the older girls who like the the young boys have like a a crush on is like, oh, like it's vampires. Right. And she knows all about it. And like they're like, how do you know about this? And she's like, I'm Haitian. Like my my whole family, like my family's been telling me about this. I've been prepping this for this since I was four. So it's it's just like, oh, like there's different. Even within this, uh, this uh, largely black community of the Bronx, there's different backgrounds and different types of people. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, I really dug it. And all the, the vampires were like, you know, shitty European <laughs> vampires. <laughs> um,
2: Who were the <laughs> vampires played by? Anybody notable?
0: Um, there was one person, the lead vampire was played by someone I noticed. Uh, she is from, actually, let me go to Letterbox. This is why I'm doing it again, so I don't have to like dig through IMDb.
2: Um, you know uh, what Amazon Prime is good for that they got that little feature where you just go to that little box in the corner and it's like here are all all the actors that are on screen right now
0: yeah Uh, Sarah Gaddon who uh, is known for being in she was in a couple David David Cronenberg films she was in uh, Cosmopolis and a Dangerous Method she's also noted for being in the television series Are You Afraid of the Dark Mm. classic um, she was in La Femme Nikita, Life with Derek, uh, and something more recent that, uh, oh, she was in, uh, Spider, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. She was an Enemy. Uh, she's, she's probably the most well-known outside of Chris Red and Method Man. I'm sure there's probably some actor in it that that's way more famous to a different audience than, than either of those people. And I just don't know who they are, but, uh, but yeah, Vampires vs. the Bronx, uh, thumbs up for me, highly recommend it uh kit what's next on your uh your side of things
2: oh right um well after that i watched an old classic movie i haven't seen in a while um mm-hmm. one that i'd sort of given up as being a bad movie but i'm coming around thinking it's not as bad and that's ghostbusters 2 mm. Yeah. Part-take. it's you know a three and a half stars good i'm not saying good good i'm saying you know what it tries to be hard to recreate the magic. It does that terrible, like, obviously studio pressured thing of like, same jokes, but louder and kind of things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's enough, you know, new material. There's enough, I don't know, charm and camp that uh, I think it's fun. Um, Harold Ramis still hits his lines pretty uh, pretty well. Dan Aykroyd still has the comedic timing. Bill, Bill Murray. I don't know. The, I found the vankman character more grating in this one. Just like you're like embarrassed for him at this point. Are you like, are you always on man? That that's gotta be uh tiring, but um, maybe that's why the movie can't go past one, but I still enjoyed it. Three and a half. Well, I, I, think, I think, I think that you that- go the Carpathian. <laughs>
0: I love Vigo. This is Vigo. Um, I feel that, that Ghostbusters two suffers by comparison to Ghostbusters one, obviously, because the thing about Ghostbusters one is it's just the novelty of it. It's, you know, it's scientists, schlubs versus the supernatural. I was gonna say, when I was a kid, I liked it just fine.
2: Yeah. Oh, I loved it when I was a kid. But then I watched it like in my uh, mid twenties, and I was like, "This is shit." And I kind of, sort of renounced it. And but I've returned to it, and I think, you know what? It's not that bad at all. It's more of the same, but sometimes that's okay. Yeah. Phil,
0: what's your opinion on Ghostbusters too?
1: It's not good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's got that. That got.
1: I, I did re-watch Bobby. it like maybe 10 years ago and <laughs> I'm like oh this is rough yeah me too but much of the friends like it'll
2: oh. be like hey yeah. not so bad and it's got a fucking uh hot Bobby Brown track
1: sure yeah the hot stuff. it's got a run DMC track I think it does have like,
2: a run DMC track on yeah. it too yeah it's got a lot of hip hop on it yeah. like specifically tailored Ghostbusters tunes too where they're yeah, yeah. Talking about the ghostbusters and their rhymes it's great. Yeah. Um, it's the bobby brown song it's great it was a top like number one hit it was all over the radio it was like don't be cruel era bobby brown yeah
0: so i do have to say i just hope that eventually (laughs) that quote from phil shows up on posters worldwide it's not good period phil (laughs) barda
2: all right uh graham what else have you seen
0: Okay, um, I saw, so I saw, finally, I'd been putting it off for years. I saw the final George A. Romero production, Survival of the Dead. And this film, I got to say when it started, because Diary of the Dead, I just didn't like it at all. And it, it broke my heart seeing it in the theater because, and you guys can ask, like, former uh, podcast guest Vanessa Young. We saw it together, and afterwards, I was just depressed. It's a bad
2: movie. I saw Diary of the Dead. It's not good.
0: Yeah, like I, like George Romero is the the sole reason I'm in film is due to his film
2: Night of the Living Dead. It was trying to cash in on the found footage craze at the time, but it was like, and they, I remember the movie starts with like, they're like, this is a found footage that we found of like these teens that got killed by zombies. We're gonna set some music to it to to well, really kind of evoke some emotion. So the whole film, this found footage thing, has a soundtrack which makes no yeah. sense.
0: Well, the the it was it was actually like the co-main character that was narrating that because she
2: survived. Her boyfriend was the director making. That's right. <laughs> All my friends died and I want to set this to some cheesy fucking uh, movie music. And I'm going to upload it to YouTube <laughs> so everyone can watch it.
0: Um, so Survival of the Dead is a linked story, but it's not a sequel. So basically during Diary of the Dead, the kid, the main character's going to get like robbed by a bunch of national members of the National Guard. And this film follows what happens to those members of the National Guard. And when this film started I was not into it at all. I just thought it looked bad and and it was an early digital cinema production like 2009. So like I, they didn't shoot it on the red camera so like it didn't like you had those harsh Sony digital cameras from like Attack of the Clones era. But then when they get to the island that it's set on and it and it becomes basically like a western. I'm like I kind of don't need zombies at all for this. Like it's basically there's two warring families and the national guard kind of wander into the middle of this and they are stuck in the middle of this like you know decades long family feud between two different like people that own land on this small island off the coast of america or delaware i think it is but um yeah it's i really dug it i think it's it's a it's not like it's not the best movie for him to end his career on, but it's not the worst. I think it's definitely good. I mean, it just, it shows that he could do more than zombies, but like at the end, all he could get funding for was zombie films. So yeah, that was Survival of the Dead. Have either of you guys seen it?
2: No. I don't think I saw that one. Uh, I missed Land of the Dead. I did see Diary of the Dead, as I just mentioned, and mm-hmm. d- did not like it. And uh, missed Survival of the Dead when it came out. So
0: Yeah, I think, I think a lot of mis- people missed Survival of the Dead because they were, they like, Diary of the Dead burned them a little bit. And, uh, Survival of the Dead definitely would have unburned them if they had seen it. Um, but uh, it's it's streaming on Prime or something like that. That's where I saw it. And uh, I was glad I, I spent the 80 minutes and watched it. Uh, Kit, what's next for you?
2: Well, this is amazing. Uh, this was not planned at all. But actually, the next movie on my, my docket is a movie that I've been meaning to watch for a long time. It was a blind spot of mine. And it is George A. Romero's first movie think uh night of the living dead Mm. nice and i'd never seen it before Mm -hmm. uh it i I watched it on prime but as i later discovered there's multiple versions of it you can just watch on youtube one colorized um and it's also on wikipedia there's a link on wikipedia there's you go to the wikipedia for uh, night of the living dead it's like watch movie and you press play and it's the entire movie you can just press play and watch it
0: but I think the version on Prime is actually the the Criterion remaster of it.
2: It looked good. I'm glad I decided to watch it on, on Prime. Yeah.
0: Whereas, like, the version on Wikipedia is not remastered, and the version, like, it's all over YouTube because for a long time it was considered public domain, so people were just ripping it and duping it and ripping it and duping it. And then with the remastering that was done by the Museum of the Moving Image in Queens, New York. Uh, that restoration is actually copyrighted so that cannot be ripped off so the the version on prime actually went to uh, I guess the if the proceeds any proceeds from it went to the George Romero estate so which is good because he had people that relied on him uh, but kit first time viewing what did you think of neither the living Dead
2: I liked it uh, it's got a good pace to it it just uh, moves I, I like that about it um, and you know simple like zombies appear run Um go to a house, board up the house, more survivors. Classic uh, survivors fight amongst themselves. Although, honestly, I was – although I think uh, Mr. Cooper was being obviously a bit of a dick, um, that cellar was a good option, and the fact that um, Ben just kind of just – oh, you don't want to go down there? You'll be trapped. I'm like, what? I, you, you just got over saying how weak they are and how they're probably not going to break through the windows – what are you worried about? You close the door. You put the latch on it. it looks pretty secure. Just tied down there. Mm-hmm. And of course, he ends up doing that at the end of the movie after everyone's already died. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so.
0: that's the tragic irony of the film is that uh, unfortunately, our hero does the thing that he was like trying to avoid doing, and that's what actually saved them. Like that's that's the the that's why George George Romero was like the first guy that put into like the the most dangerous thing to occur during a disaster is other human beings, uh, which the which. The Walking Dead has just ridden into the ground for the past 10 yeah,
2: it's years. It's every plot. It's every season. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> oh, like, well, what- now it's this type of human being that's the evil one. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, I haven't watched a Walking Dead in a couple seasons. I feel like maybe I'll catch up someday, but maybe I won't. Who knows? Eh. I was getting sick of it. Yeah. Phil, what are your opinions <clears feelings throat> on the original Night of the Living Dead?
1: Oh, I love the original Night of the Living Dead. It was a blind spot for me until like maybe like a year or two ago. I I don't know why, but you know, like I saw Dawn of the Dead years ago. Like I've seen Day of the Dead
2: multiple times. It's just like one of those things where, like, it took me forever to watch the original Nightmare on Elm Street. It's like Mm. you never get around to the original with these ones. You never think to. I don't know why.
0: Weird. I saw Night of the Living Dead in 1998. No. So grade ten. Yeah. A young little Graham, little wee Graham. Yep. Wee Graham, not even 15 years old petrified, just shattered. Squeaky, voice,
2: squeaky voiced, Graham. Shattered me as a human being. It was uh, it was good. It was, yeah. not, but Some of the uh, the effects were good. Obviously, like, you know, the people uh, just budget. put them open around. They do what they can. That's fine. It's just some makeup. You can tell it's just some makeup. But, like, the uh, decayed old person upstairs or whatever, that was pretty gnarly mm-hmm. for its time. The gut uh, the, munching. The actual flesh eating, the actual, like, just them tearing flesh from, that looked pretty gross.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know, love that film. Okay, so next for me I watched scary movie, not that one. I watched a uh, scary movie from 1991 which is a which was a, a not really ever seen production until uh until it was released by Agfa um earlier, I think earlier this year or late last year. But uh it's interesting because it stars John Hawks. Is there's
2: area air, Wayne's brother in it. You're saying
0: there's no Wayne's brothers, none, <laughs> not a single one. Uh, but John Hawks stars in it and he's, he makes a choice with his character where you're like early on in the film, he says like, Oh, I work at a movie theater. I'm like, that person is employed anywhere mm-hmm. because his character is supposed to be a scaredy cat, but he basically just can't function. Like 60% of the movie is this character and his friends waiting in line to go into a, um, a haunted house. And The Haunted House, it's it's such an awesome, like, handmade 1980s haunted house. Uh, It was all shot around, like, just outside of Austin, Texas. Uh, So, like, you kind of see, like, the same kind of energy that made Slacker made this film. Uh, It's, I can't say, I don't know if I can say I enjoyed it. It was just such a weird time capsule. Mm -hmm. Also, just the fact that, like, people, like, they were like, you know what would be awesome? If people just stood in line for 40 minutes. Let's just do that. Let's just have them standing in line and John Hawk's being freaked out. The plot is basically uh, a mental, uh, an insane mental patient is being transported and there, his ambulance crashes and he escapes and he escapes into the funhouse. Or does he? Um, but yeah, uh, it's very much like if Richard Linklater decided to make a... Uh, horror movie for his first film uh it was directed by daniel erickson who hasn't done much else uh he directed something called mr pumpkin in 1987 which is a short film and he directed uh another short film called little hero in 1985 and that's pretty much it like i think he, he didn't have a big career this film really didn't get released and uh, eh, it's fine that's not great uh I guess neither of you guys have seen it. It's streaming on Tubi. No. On Tubi. Okay. If you want to give it a watch. It's not bad Halloween viewing. Just have it on in the background. Don't really pay attention.
1: I'm guessing Kevin Williamson did not see uh, Scary Movie when he wrote uh, Scary, Scary Movie. Movie, which later became Scream.
0: No, I don't think he did. Not at all.
1: Yeah. No.
2: Uh, Kit, what's next on your list? Uh, one more. One more. Uh, oh. just watched this last night for sort of funsies, I guess. Mm -hmm. one of those group netflix watches uh paranormal activity three how
1: was that
0: so i've only seen the first paranormal activity and i like the first paranormal activity
2: yeah well it's a good gimmick and um i hadn't i remember watching the first two kind of back to back like in i don't know maybe a decade ago Mm -hmm. um and i hadn't seen any of them since then so returning it to to it for 3 the gimmick wasn't old so i think the movie kind of sustains a little on that yeah um, it's sort of confusing as to the time frame it starts inexplicably like with more modern times and they discover like a vhs trove and then we watch the vhs why not start with the vhss we didn't need this other bit and never they never return to it nice if you see one of the women as an older woman and then you realize her backstory and you're like that's fucked up mhm um but it's still maddening that nobody seems to, I mean, the guy's a freaking videographer. He does uh, wedding videos. That's why he's always videotaping things. they have always got to find an excuse a contrivance for all the videotaping of every room. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's all right. It was, it had some good jump scares. It's cheap thrills, basically the paranormal activity movies. It's a cheap mm-hmm. gimmick, but uh, I think the gimmick works in yeah. terms of being like a spooky house, like being a, scary ride instead of like a movie you know what i mean but uh the it doesn't make sense they're not leaving the house early on it's like there's clearly a demon and shit going your daughter is talking to a guy named toby and you should probably leave yeah but they leave too late and yet again it turns out twist um i don't want to spoil too much but witches are involved so i've been watching a lot of witch movies this season oddly enough tis the season of the witch as donovan might um Or as
0: George Romero had for his film, his film after the crazy se- or before the crazy season of the witch. Was um, that no, the Donovan song? Wasn't written for that, wasn't? No, based- but it, it was used in that song in that. You movie.
2: have to, yeah, yeah.
0: But uh, I do have to say, uh, yeah, the first scary movie. Like I like it because it made audiences develop uh, an attention span.
2: The paranormal activity, you mean?
0: Yeah, the first Paranormal Activity. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, like out of all the
2: film footage John, like. A movie a like, take on it the stationary camera take mm-hmm. where you speed up, speed up the time and you see that somebody's been standing still for like over four hours and you're like that's weird or you, like, you just see a it, door like, move on its own and you're like ah it's
0: scary yeah. um yeah i mean like they, they made a bunch of them and i think like jason blum was smart to stop at a certain point because he didn't want how to. many were there five i think yeah i think it might go to five yeah Five or four, maybe four. Because I think they did a 3D one, and they were like, we're out. They did
2: four, and then 3D, and done. How would that even work in a found footage genre? Three D, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the paranormal Activity.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Phil, uh, have you ever seen any of the Paranormal Activity movies?
1: I watched the first one. I thought it was kind of lame, so I didn't uh, continue with the rest of them. I also there? really burned out on found footage movies.
2: and Oh, fair enough.
1: Although, yeah... The last good found footage movie I saw was Creep, and also Creep Two. Like oh, I really
2: saw those on like some of the streaming services. Those are good. Yeah,
1: I think I imagine those are still on Netflix.
2: So. Yeah, they're Netflix joints. Yeah, I remember uh, like Rec being decent, mm-hmm. um, yeah. or even the um, wasn't there like an American version of that Quarantine? I think Orange, it was. Quarantine, which was good with Jennifer Carpenter. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah I remember being decent as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know found footage they, they always want to pop one in right as we were just yeah. talking about Diary of the Dead not being good but some of them turn out alright
0: yeah it's its hard like I it's not my vibe like I the only
2: time it requires like, a lot oh, of improv from actors that maybe aren't that great at improv
0: you shouldn't be doing improv that's, the, that's when they'll <laughs> fail um, like that's why I, I really like the movie Host that came out re- like in the last year on uh, Shudder which is a, a Zoom movie oh, I'm
2: waiting for all these to happen Zoom found yeah. footage
1: well, the interesting thing I is... How Alex, I still haven't watched the, the Unfriended movies. Like, I'm curi- vaguely curious about those. Those seem to have their cult followings.
0: Alex Ross Perry is a huge fan of the Unfriended movies. Okay. And he was a huge fan of hosts. Like, it's weird. Alex Ross Perry was interviewed recently about the future of cinema. And he basically just admitted, he's like, I just watch horror movies. That's all I watch. And it's just like, oh, weird. I wasn't expecting that. Um, but he, he talked about how like Zoom, like trying to do movies through Zoom, he's like... It works for horror, but I can't see you doing a romantic comedy over Zoom. I can't see someone doing like a, a coming of age movie over Zoom. Like it doesn't really suit that genre. Um but the next film so moving on, uh by the way, I I'm I'll probably watch Paranormal Activity Three. I'm guessing that was on Netflix. Uh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. So well, i watched
1: Steven Soderbergh will do a Zoom movie.
0: I don't probably. know. He's been it sounds bad. like something he would do. I I think it's one of those things that he would have seen Host and, like, they got it right. Because Host is, like, the best Zoom movie. But uh, I saw two more films, which I'll talk about. First one was Deadline, which is a Canadian film which has been described as the anti-horror film. Um, I really like this film. Oh, and everyone's leaving. Great.
2: (laughs) Sorry, sorry. I heard my cat, and I'm kind of concerned.
1: Go look for her.
2: Just got to look for the cat.
1: can they can't come on. I'm out of here.
2: She's being a big old suck today, understandably. Figure out. Let's see her. So I guess you're still recording the pod, but uh, yeah, my cat got on stage today, so she's just uh, a little under the weather and I'm a little worried about
0: her. So. Don't worry, I'll hack all this out. So, uh, so I, got, I got two more movies that I watched and then we'll talk about some other stuff. Um, I watched the movie Deadline, the Canadian film from 1980, which was really good, but it's... It's sold as a horror film, and it's it's actually the producers intended this to be the anti horror film. So, uh, it was directed by Mario Philip Asolparti, who was from Malta, I believe, um, and uh, it stars Stephen Young and Sharon Masters. Uh, and it's basically about a writer who writes horror novels that then get adapted into horror films, and he's very successful. And he goes back to his alma mater, where uh, the university where he taught film, which is actually the University of Toronto. Which I was like, "Oh my God, it's the University of Toronto! It's a Toronto set movie." Um, and uh, oh, and um, sorry for those listeners, uh, Kit just showed us his little kitty Sigourney, who is uh, who's just adorable. Um,
2: enjoyed Ghostbusters too as well. Yeah. yeah.
0: But uh, but yeah, it, it's interesting because the, the movie has tons of violence and gore, but it's all just scenes from movies based on his books. And it's really a drama about a guy struggling to be like, am I just writing crap? Is this Am I just pumping this garbage out? Uh, and then something really horrific happens in his personal life, and his life just derails to an insane degree until it ends with a crazy, like like insane ending where he basically like, cause the whole thing is like his agent is like, just write more horror, write more gore. And so he basically writes the mo- at the it ends with him, not the, not the spoiler word. It ends with him writing uh, his, mo- the things that have happened to him in his life and then committing suicide credits roll. It's, it's a really good film, not a horror film, uh, but really good. And then the last film I watched was the Don Knotts classic, The Ghost and Mr. Chicken, mm. which, uh, has we're
1: been. We watched it on the podcast at some point.
0: We were, yeah, 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 and we probably will. But I was, for something that's been hyped up to me for so long, it was very disappointing. There was very so. It's about Don Knotts, who plays, I think, Luther Rains is his name. He plays a a wannabe journalist who's working as a typesetter in like a small town newspaper office, and he basically spends one night in a haunted house, sees what he thinks is some ghostly activity. And then writes about it and becomes a big thing. But then the guy who owns the house sues him for family defamation. Um, but it uh, there's it was directed by Alan, Alan Rafkin, not Alan Rifkin. Uh, sorry, it's Luther Heggs He plays in the in the film, and it's another one of those things where like he's 48 and his love interest is like 23 because he he just played like men in his early 20s for like the entire the 1960s.
2: Don Knotts has those youthful good looks, though. He's got that charm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, but uh, but yeah, like I mean, I love Don Knotts. Like I'm a I'm a sucker for his type of comedy because you put him into any situation. Yeah,
2: he's got those boyish jowls
0: <laughs> and that receding hairline. Um, <laughs> but he like in the Love God, I love that movie. I loved him in it. But in this one, like he's not. They they only really go into the haunted house twice, and they spend no time there. And it gets bogged down in like the. The trial, the town, all that stuff. So it was a bit of a disappointing watch. Um, and that was the last thing I watched horror-wise. H- have either of you guys seen The Ghost of Mr. Chicken or Deadline? No, I have not. Have any of you heard of Deadline or The Ghost of Mr. Chicken?
1: First time. Um, from- I'm pretty sure Deathline was, like, name-dropped recently um, by Jesse Hawkins on Twitter. Because he had, like, this lengthy thread of, like... Uh, exploitation and like mm. canadian tax shelter movies so i feel like i might have seen it on a list like that was the movie on tubi
0: no i have the blu-ray it was released okay. by um it was released by vinegar syndrome okay uh vinegar syndrome's doing amazing amazing work mm-hmm. uh, i really like what they're doing like because they're branching out so far beyond because like death is or deadlines so are not death death line is a movie that's currently streaming on Shudder And I think to be, which is a British film where, um, or okay. deadline, the Canadian film, like it's just the drama and yes, it has gore and violence in it, but it's, it's so not like, it's just peppered throughout the movie. Cause like they said, mm-hmm. we're making the anti-horror film. So it's going to have all the violence and gore and shocking content, but it's going to be wrapped up in a, in a drama about someone dealing with like their life falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um. So the other thing I've been watching, I've started to watch is The Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it is, it's very good. It was, it's the follow-up series. It's not a sequel. It's not a season two, but it's the follow-up series to The Haunting of Hill House from a few years ago, which was really good on Netflix. Uh, I think Mike Flanagan, who's the writer director of the, of the, not the whole series, because he brought in other directors this time on, on Haunting of Hill House. It was all him directing all episodes uh, and he had a great steady hand but uh, in this one I think he just he adapted it and he wrote part of it and he directed the first episode I'm not sure if he's written anymore or directed anymore because I haven't watched all of them yet but I really really dig the series I think it's I also like the fa- fact that Mike Flanagan when he does an adaptation he does an adaptation in the way people used to do adaptations which is like we'll take the bits of the story that work then we'll add our own stuff and we'll put it together and it'll be mm-hmm. nice um, because it is actually an adaptation of I can't remember the the official title. Is it the Turn of the Screw or the Turning of the Screw? The Turn of the Screw.
2: Turn yeah. of the Screw. The old uh, Henry James.
0: Exactly. So it is a it is an adaptation oh. of that novella, uh, which is set in contemporary times, but uh, a story is being told during it that's set in the the late eighties at Bligh Manor, which is the setting for the, the Turn of the Screw, and it's it's great. I like I like it. I was really wigged. It wigged, scared the heck out of me when Greg Sestero from The Room popped up in the first episode, (laughs) playing an actual character, not for laughs, and he wasn't bad. Wow, it's weird, weird. Um, And also, the actor who plays Garth Marenghi and Garth Marenghi's dirt Place shows up (laughs) again, playing like just a a role. Just he was just a guy. I'm like, oh my god, this is so strange that Garth Marenghi is just (laughs) hanging out. Um, uh, maybe
1: Mike Flanagan's a uh, Puppet Master fan. He saw Greg Sestero in that Puppet Master movie. And, it, uh, it could
0: have been. Maybe he was a fan of that movie Best Friends that came out with Tommy Wiseau. Oh, yeah. I,
1: I still need to watch that one. I missed it at the Royal whenever that played.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I want to watch a two-part. Tommy Wiseau is a vampire mortician movie. Um, but I heard it's not bad. So... Uh, so that's what we've been watching so f- like recently for our uh for our October Rocktober whatever we're calling it. We'll be back again with another episode of Rocktober soon. Uh we're also going to be doing another episode. I don't know what movie yet, but I'll, p- I'll we'll figure that out this week and hopefully that'll be up later in the week as well. Uh so for Death by Video, I've been Phil. I've been Kit. And I'm Graham saying keep on rocking in Rocktober and uh enjoy all the spooky movies
1: ooh, ooh, ooh.